This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash. Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. everybody welcome back to another episode of our podcast i'm lucas i got jonathan and chris here and guys we got a lot of talk about not gonna lie back-to-back bulls games you wouldn't think that it'd be interesting but it had its ups and downs guys yeah definitely so the eight game losing streak came to an losing end the other no- winning streak winning winning streak <laughs> eight game winning streak came to a yeah, yeah. Came to an end. The Bulls beat us in the first game of the back-to-back. 109-105 in a double overtime thriller. What starters stood out to you in this game, Chris? What starters stood out to me? Well, we're we're going to talk about James in a minute here, so I'm going to lay off him for now. Um, obviously, in, in a, on a more positive note, um, this guy, we haven't really talked about him much lately, but Joel Embiid had 37 points and 16 rebounds, three blocks. Um, pretty good at basketball, that guy. We should probably talk about him more. Uh, he, he was quite good in this game, obviously Philly's best player per usual. And really the only reason this game was, was kind of close because not many other guys showed up for Philly. Uh, Tyrese, you know, had, had 22 points on okay efficiency, not his best night, though. And the same for Tobias, 14 points, nine rebounds. Pretty solid night for him, but nothing nothing out of the ordinary. Daniel House getting the start uh, for P.J. Tucker, who did not play. He, you know, did Daniel House things. Not a lot in the scoring department, but his energy was there, as it always is. But, yeah, I, I mean, obviously, James is was the big takeaway from this game. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to hammer the James point too much. Um, we'll talk about it. I'll just read off the stat line. Five points, seven rebounds, 12 assists, five turnovers. Uh, Joel, like your point, he was fantastic. Probably the only reason why the Sixers lost the game is that he fouled out in the second overtime. Yeah. Uh, outside of that, Maxi had a, had a pretty solid game. 22 points, six assists, five rebounds. And look, I don't, I kind of like House as like an alternative starter if like somebody's going to be out because then it doesn't mess with your bench rotation, but you still have somebody competent that can come in off the bench. 
Doc Rivers actually did this back in, when he was in Boston with Brian Scalabrini. Scalabrini was not a normal rotation guy for Boston. Usually had the bigs coming off the bench was Leon Pohl and Big Baby T- Davis uh, during that championship run. But when he needed a fill-in starter, he went to Scalabrini. Scalabrini did pretty well in that role. Daniel House is kind of getting that nod as the 11th guy. And I, I like it. I like it. I think it's a good call by Doc. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Chris, what about the uh, bench? Um, I mean, obviously, Melton played 40 minutes almost, uh, had 19 points, four steals, six boards. He's had a really nice stretch of games here. Um, we'll talk more about him in the second Chicago game. Like His energy is always there, but it's been particularly effective over the last week or so. Defensively, this was another awesome game for him. And obviously with PJ out, he was basically the the fifth starter, even though he wasn't actually starting. He he closed the game and and played a whole lot of minutes. And it's really good to have a starting caliber player come on coming off the bench. That that's a nice luxury to have. Philly hasn't always had a true sick man like that. So yeah, again, Milton's awesome. More reason to be optimistic and with you know, with respect to him. Yeah, look, Milton uh, Melton was great. You know, five of twelve from downtown, been on a tear as of like like Chris mentioned offensively. Uh, Milton had three assists in ten minutes. Uh, Paul Reed, okay game, not great game. Okay, you know, fourteen minutes, two points, three rebounds, was a minus ten, but that was just a product of overtime more or less. Uh, not a great George's game. He was 0-3 from downtown, and when he's not shooting, he's really not adding much else. McDaniels didn't really play. So, like, outside of Melton, this bench was pretty much a non-factor for the Sixers. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. So, before we move on from this game, I think we should just talk a little bit more about Harden. He shot, I think, 14%. You gave the stats, Lucas. But it was his worst shooting game in eight years in the regular season. Just a rough night. Um, do you think there should be any concerns, Chris, or is, is this maybe just a one-off? Um, I, I'm not really too concerned in in the micro. You know, everyone has a bad game. He was very clearly hobbled at a certain point. He missed the second game against Chicago in this home-and-home with with uh, soreness. So that's that's really, I think, the macro concern is long-term. Is he healthy 100%? I, I you know, if he is, I'm not too worried about it. But yeah, I, you know, everyone has a bad night at some point. James has been, by and large, an amazing top 10, 15 ish player in the league at times this season, especially down the stretch here. So I'm, I'm not too worried about it. I, 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 I am worried about the injury. I'm not so worried about the bad game, if that makes sense. If, if this is something that carries over and the injury is the reason for the bad games and it continues and he's not himself in the playoffs, then that would be a real bummer. So I'm concerned about that, but not necessarily the individual stat line. Look, it, it doesn't sound like the injury is going to be severe. I heard them talking on the broadcast tonight. If this was a playoff game, James would be playing. Uh, that that being said, it, it seems more like, it, you know, it's a one-off thing. Like, I, I'm not concerned about it. And I'm really not concerned about, like, even if James has a bad night for the Sixers. Like, he, yeah, he was the only starter with a minus plus minus. But on the same token, I mean, he still got 12 assists from James Harden on a bad night. Uh, that's that's pretty darn good. Um, 
And on top of it all, Harden is look. I you got enough of Maxi and Joel to carry the load if Harden has a, a bad night. So for like the you know ESPN pundits saying, oh, the Sixers only go as far as Harden can take them with Joel. I don't necessarily subscribe to that, and I'm not worried about Harden in the long term either. I think he'll be okay. Yeah, I agree with both of you guys on that. So let's switch it to the second game of the back to back. To, or not that second game of the Bulls. Um, tonight we won 116-91. It was 76-48 to 48 at halftime. Absolute blowout. Joel didn't play in the second half. We'll obviously touch on that a little more. But, Lucas, do you want to start with what stood out in the starters? I mean, yeah, Melton got the start. Melton showed off. He had 25 points, uh, three steals again. He shot pretty efficiently, 50% from the field, 40% 40-plus percent from the floor. I mean, you can't really ask much more of the guy. Uh, Maxie had 21 points, pretty much did all of his scoring by the end of the third quarter. Tobias had a solid game. PJ did PJ things. I mean, look, it's Joel, and we'll talk about it more later, but even after playing just halftime, he had 12 points on very efficient shooting and seven rebounds and seven assists. If he would have played probably just the third quarter of this half, he probably would have ended up with a triple-double, to be completely honest. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, you can't really ask much more, especially even with Joel being out in the second half. The starters were fantastic. Uh, yeah, I mean, Philly opened this game on a 17 nothing run uh, um, and pretty much went from there. Chicago made not really much of a comeback. They they made it a mildly closer game at one point, but this was pretty much a double-digit blowout the whole way through. Um, and that started with the starters, obviously, because they opened the game on that run. Uh, Joel, like you said, Lucas, was really awesome in the first half, had a very well-rounded game, made some awesome plays as a playmaker. PJ hit a three, did his thing on defense. Tobias, Melton, and Maxi all had 20-plus points. There's really not a huge complaint to be lobbied here. Um, yeah, I mean, Chicago just was, was on their heels the entire time. So Philly's starters deserve a ton of credit for that. By the way, Tobias Harris, I didn't even notice this the first time looking at the stats, but looking at him again, he had nine rebounds and eight assists. He could yeah. have had a triple-double if this game was close. Kudos yeah, to Tobias him. Tobias played well. No, Tobias played well. The, the starters put this game out of reach, like you said, from the beginning. Yeah. So Tobias what about is, the bench? Tobias continues to do awesome in the wake of that, that episode that we criticized him on. And maybe yeah, he might be listening. Him. So maybe maybe he's listening to the pod. We can, take, yeah. we can take full credit for that. I would appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. We have to. Yeah. So, Lucas, how about the bench? Well, besides having a Dwayne Dedman sighting in the third quarter, which was, I don't know, for you guys, that felt very weird for me. Um, you know, the bench was pretty solid. Niang had 11 points. House contributed with five. Paul Reed had six. Dedman had two. Shake had five. Like, it wasn't like any one person really balled out except for maybe Niang, but that was just based off of sheer volume of shots. Um. Yeah. No. It was. It was a solid look. Paul Reed looked was looked good. Every you know the bench maintained at least a twenty point lead for pretty much the whole entire game. It was. It was good. Um. Another Jaden Springer sighting, which I know made Chris very happy. 
if Paul, I'll just say this about Springer. If Doc Rivers doesn't start playing him next year, then what's the point of even drafting him? Yeah, great point. Um, yeah, I, I agree with everything you said, Lucas. I think it was Harrison Grimm, a uh, former Sixer Sense guy who I saw on Twitter compared Daniel House to James Ennis, which I thought was a pretty good comparison. They're both yeah, kind of like, just... Yeah, I'm okay with that. I like yeah, James Ennis. Yeah, he was a fun guy. Yeah, kind of weird and chaotic players. You can hit a few threes. I forgot about him for until just now. Wow. <laughs> yeah, James Ennis was really an underrated offensive rebounder, too. Yeah, a uh, good comp, I thought. Um, yeah, good George game, hit three threes. Um, like you mentioned, Lucas had 11 points. Yeah, otherwise, a pretty quiet all-around game. I mean, the weird part about Deadman playing was the fact that Joel wasn't out there. I, I don't think Deadman being next to line behind Paul was particularly surprising. But No, it wasn't. I, I mean, the that's kind of the segue into this next point, is like Joel just being out of the game. For, for the entire second half, and we we didn't know why for a solid, like, eight, nine minutes of that quarter. Yeah. And, so, I mean, we still probably didn't really know why until after the game, right, John? Yeah. Yeah. No, Um. I, I you and I were talking before we got on. As we were hopping on the podcast, uh, Keith Pompey said it was calf soreness or calf tightness, but he expects to play Friday. But, yeah, like you mentioned, I think it took like 20 minutes for them to say like, oh, he's resting in this half, which that just in itself is sketchy that it took that long. And we all noted on the podcast before, like our, the, one of the main topics was why did Joel play back to back? Like he's going for the MVP. That's why. So for him to sit out the second half, like and them saying it's rest, even though the lead was almost 30, it just it really didn't add up. Um, I was definitely nervous. Don't love hearing cap soreness, tightness, whatever they're going to say. Um, but Lucas, what were your thoughts on MB getting shut down halfway through? And, and do you think that affects maybe his MVP chances? Well, I, I've never heard of load management mid game. That was uh, certainly a weird thing for me. Cause like, if you were load managing, you would still have him come out back on the bench. Right. And that, that wasn't the case. Yes. So that yes. that that was weird. I've never heard of mid-game load managing. That that was a weird one. Um, I only saw the uh, calf thing uh, thanks to Tim Bontemps from ESPN because uh, they didn't. They just said he was resting on the broadcast, and I thought that was weird. Does it hurt his MVP chances? Um, look, he had he played 16 minutes and almost had a triple double. I don't think it really hurts his MVP chances. The Sixers still blew out the Chicago team that, you know, pushed them to double overtime. Um, and he was a big part of the reason why they established that lead. I don't think it hurts his MVP chances, partially because he's not he didn't necessarily miss the game. And that's what, you know, voters have always held against Joel is that he misses games. He didn't miss this game. You can't hold that against him. He just didn't play a lot. You know, there's a difference. But to be fair. They didn't need him to play, and he, you know, even if he had played in the second half, it probably would have only been for like maybe seven minutes or so. Uh, yeah, I agree. I I don't think it hurts his MVP chances, with the obvious caveat that he can't miss games after this. If he misses Absolutely. time, then that's different. Um, yeah, the the whole like twenty minutes for us to hear a report thing is is a bit weird. I don't know if we should like blame the broadcast or Sixers. I, I don't really know who deserves the blame for that or if there should be blame, but I, I think really both can be true. Like, obviously, 
he was probably in the locker room for treatment. That's why he wasn't on the bench. So I, I think the idea that maybe he didn't come back out because it was a blowout is true. Like maybe he would have been out there if this was a close game that they really needed. Um, and the fact that his calf tightened up is also true. So I, I think both are probably true pictures of what happened. It's just weird that we didn't hear about the calf right away because we heard about DeMar DeRozan's quad multiple times before we heard about Joel's quote-unquote rest. So that, that was very weird. But, yeah, I mean, as long as he doesn't miss any time, I don't expect it to hurt his MVP chances very much. Yeah, Chris, I'm so curious, like, what you said about, like, who, not, like, again, not maybe blame's not the right word, but, like, it just seems irresponsible to, like, say, again, like, load management halfway through a game where, like, and th- and that's just not the case. Like, and you wonder, like, do they know that that's not the case? and or Or are they in the dark as well? I don't know. I, I just find that interesting as well. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very strange. A very stressful third quarter when it didn't need to be because they were up by like 30. Probably the most stressed I've been with the Sixers up 30 in, in a while. <laughs> I think that might yeah. be the Except when time. they used to blow fourth quarters. Yeah, yeah. In a while, not ever. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Well, okay, so let's go. We're talking about current Sixers players and team right now, but let's transition to former players now. Yeah, Lucas, you got a uh, fun game for us tonight. Doing former players, are they better or worse off now? So we have a number of players here. Um, I don't know who wants to go first. Maybe we can alternate, but I'll pitch out a player. I'll pitch yeah, on the player, go. I'll say the team, and then let me know what you think. So, yeah, Lucas, first up, Ben yeah, Simmons so, on the Nets. I, I kind of want to be involved in just this one, so I'll go third. Okay, you can be involved in all of them. That's okay. And by the okay. way, just let me know, I've tried my best to get all the current former Sixer players in the NBA. So, But if I missed anybody, please leave a comment, let us know. We'll touch on them later. And, you know, Jonathan, I hinted at this last podcast. Now we're actually doing it. So Ben Simmons, someone. who did I miss? Al Horford. Ah, let me add him to the list. I'll put him at the bottom. Yeah, yeah. We'll finish the pod with an Al Horford discussion. Oh, How God. Fitting. How fitting indeed. Okay. Well, that's only one. And to be honest, is he really that important? No, I'm joking. Okay. So Ben Simmons, let's start with Ben. Clearly, I think we all will agree here. Ben Simmons is much worse off Clearly, you know, Brett Brown got the most out of Ben Simmons. You can say what you want about Brett Brown. 
Uh, I thought he was a fine coach. Is he the best? No, but he, you know what? He was the only coach that got the best out of Ben Simmons and, you know, was able to cater to his fragile uh, psyche. So, you know what? I think he's much worse off. And who knows if he'll even be able to be playable in the NBA after this contract's up. Uh, yeah, he's not doing too hot. So it's hard It's hard to really argue for anything other than worse off. Because say what you will about Ben. He was extremely good during his time with Philly. Um, right up until the last, like, five minutes of that Hawks series, I think everyone would have had at least a semi-positive read on Ben Simmons' tenure in Philly. So, yeah, it, it, he's worse off. <laughs> yeah, definitely worse off. Agree with that. So next up. Nerlens Noel, who just for a little background, I think he was he no, he was on the Pistons until um, he got bought out in February. Most recently had a 10 day contract with the Nets, but I do not believe he is currently on a team. So, Chris. Yeah, I mean, he was better off for a while there. He had he had a good run with the Knicks. He, he had a fairly successful couple of seasons, obviously. Being on a team with Joel and Jalil Okafor at the same time kind of hampered his development because there's just too many cooks in the kitchen, so to speak, at center. But he, he was better off for a while there. I, I think he's kind of over the hill now. Various injuries and stuff have, have kind of slowed him down. He's Like you said, he's not on an NBA team right now for a reason. But initially there, I, I think he was better off leaving Philly because there's just no way he was going to reach his ceiling without um, or with Joel in, in the lineup. Look, there was a point where Nerlens Noel was going to get like a four-year, eighty-plus million-dollar contract from the Dallas Mavericks, and Clutch, re- Clutch Sports, really screwed him over and told him not to take the deal. Uh, that clearly did not work out for him. He bounced around a lot as a result. Like you said, he did have a nice little stint with the Knicks. I thought he was really good as a backup there. Um, I didn't. I I wasn't aware of any injuries this season. I just thought like he was out of the rotation for the Pistons because of uh because of their youth movement. Um, he's still only like what twenty eight, and I I didn't realize that he was on a ten day with the Knicks at Nets. If I did, I probably wouldn't have had him on here. Um, but I I would say for his career, I think overall he was better off leaving Philly. Yeah, that's probably that's a pretty good point. Um, okay, next Rashawn Holmes, who the Sixers traded to the Suns for cash. Great. Oh, don't me. Um, that was the second worst move of Brett Brown's tenure as the GM. Yes, yeah, sarcasm. So he's been on the Kings since 2019. Is he better or worse off, Lucas? I'm gonna say totality of his career, much better off. He was a he was a really good backup in Phoenix for a year. And then Sacramento, he really blossomed into a starter for like a season or two. This season, I don't know what's wrong. What's what's the deal between him and Mike Brown? Mike Brown probably going to win coach of the year. But for some reason, he's not in the rotation. And like he's better than the people that's backing up Sabonis. So I'm not exactly sure why he's not playing. Because I, I don't think he's bad defensively and offensively. He's definitely a really good rim runner. Um, he's probably going to get traded this offseason and find a better ha- a better fit for him. So I, 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 I say he's better off not being in Philly just because he would be stuck behind Joel. And while that would be great for us, it wouldn't be great for his career. Yeah, um, I, I agree. He had a really strong season with Sacramento before the Sabonis trade. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, as far as him not playing this year, I, I don't know if I would say he's, like, leaps and bounds better than everyone playing over him. Like, there's probably a reason Sacramento's not playing him. I, he does have some weaknesses defensively that were very apparent in Philly. Like, I get trading him for cash, probably not the right move, necessarily, but it, it's not like Philly... They, they had a mirror Johnson. They, they, no, no, no. They had a, an a, a out of date Amir Johnson. That's what they had. I understand. It was I, not a good. It was not. It can't be a good move to move I'm on. Not from saying this. it was a good move, but I, I think we might be overblowing slightly the the ramifications because I mean, in the years since, they've had you know Drummond, Horford, like like Holmes are just never going to get playing time with those guys around. So. Do you get but, those guys yeah. if you have Holmes? I don't know. I don't know, but those guys are better than Holmes. And you don't, obvi- like, Holmes obviously demanded a pretty big contract um, with the Kings. So Philly wasn't going to be able to pay that anyway. So it's one of those moves <laughs> where, like, you, you can kind of understand it, even though, even if, like, the short-term ramifications were kind of negative. It, it's like you just can't pay the guy and you get a little bit of financial flexibility. It, it, I don't think it's as bad, maybe, as we're making it out to be. Okay. All right. Uh, 2014 NBA Rookie of the Year, Michael Carter-Williams, who has had a very odd contract situation with the Orlando Magic since 2019. It seems like he is re-signed on very short-term deals, even waived at once. But he is currently with the Magic. Lucas? Oh, no, Chris. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, he had his best year with Philly, so I guess worse off. Um, obviously that he was just never going to surpass that rookie season, even if he stayed with Philly long-term. Um, yeah, I guess worse off because his career has kind of been on a downward spiral since he's redeemed himself a little bit over the years with, with various teams. I, I think he's still a pretty interesting and versatile defender. Um, so, I mean, he's sticking around. It's not like he's not an NBA player at all, but. He peaked with Philly, so you kind of have to say worse off. Yeah, worse off. Um, though it's not, it seems like Orlando, uh, his veteran leader. Like, wow, it's kind of hard to believe, but yeah, he's thirty years old. So, third, veteran leadership. That's that's why I think he got brought back to Orlando, just because he's a solid voice in the locker room, despite having, I think, like a uh, what are, what are the um, like digital sports cards? I think he had a scandal, like he was a part of a scandal regarding that, but like. Overall, yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure I'll have to do research and get back to you guys on that. Don't take that for word, but I, I thought I heard that on a, a Brian Winhorst podcast at some point. Um, but no, he's a really good defender. You know, look, he can he's at six six. He can guard a lot of different positions. So look, if you want a defensive wing stopper, I mean, MCW's your guy. He can play make a little bit still. He just can't shoot worth a lick. 2017 first overall pick, Markel Fultz. Lucas? He's better off. Look, the whole entire shooting thing with Ben already not shooting and then him having whatever was going on with his shoulder, you know, I I believe it was an injury. Um, He's looked fantastic for Orlando since coming back uh, midpoint this season. Uh, It took him a couple, like a month or two to get really into rhythm, but this month he's looked really good. Like, if he had the shooting that he had in college, he probably would be an all-star point guard. Uh, without that shooting, he's still a really solid starter. Um, 
so yeah, no, I think he's better off. I think he can be the guy in Orlando point guard wise. I mean, if you trust him, I, I think you can defensively, offensively. The only thing that you got to worry about is spacing, but everybody else on that team is shooter. So you don't really have to worry about spacing with him either. Yeah. Um, yeah, of course he's better off. Um, I, I mean, I think Philly fans were much more supportive of Markel than maybe the public perception might lead one to believe. But by the end of his time with Philly, it was pretty clear that he needed a fresh start somewhere else. Orlando has been a, a great place for that. It's kind of off the grid. They've been very patient with him. They gave him a new contract. And he looks freaking awesome right now. Like, I, I, it'll be interesting to see what his future holds. He's still limited as a shooter. But he's playing really high-level basketball. He's, he's a very talented facilitator and athlete who can do some amazing stuff around the rim. So... I think he still has a pretty bright future. I think he's going to be a good player for a long time, whether that's as a as full-time starter, as a backup on a good team, we'll see. But he, he's still really good, and I, I think he's finally kind of settling into to his NBA role here. Well, Chris, let me are you just saying say that the national media set makes us have a bad reputation? That never happens. <laughs> yeah, never, of course. Never. Uh, I will say this before we move on for Markel. If this was like the 2000s NBA where the three-point shot wasn't as important, he probably would still be an all-star in that NBA, I think, where the where he do, wouldn't have to take a lot of three-pointers. Um, that being said, Jonathan? Jeremy Grant on the Trailblazers. Better off. I mean, he, he's been pretty darn good his last couple of stops. He was... He was quite good in Denver as a complimentary piece. Obviously, in Detroit, he was the go-to guy there for about a season and a half and was quite successful in that capacity. Now he's the number two, three guy in Portland, which is probably his ideal role. And I mean, he's been a borderline all-star kind of guy at points. He's a great defender, a very talented spacer and slasher. Can do a lot on the floor at all, you know, at very different spots on the floor. So he, he deserves a lot of credit. And, you know, another guy who showed some promise in Philly, but didn't really take off in, until he left Philly. Something of a, a trend over the last few years. Another process guy who has, has really carved out a role for himself, though. So, it, yeah, better off. Well, OK, so a couple of things I want to say about Jeremy Grant and Jonathan, you would get the reference here. He kind of reminds me of Luol Dang. Is that a fair comparison? I'm not so young. That yeah, except he's still not getting paid by NBA teams. Yeah, okay. Well, I guess Fair enough. Is, but after, yeah. yeah. So anyway, I wasn't sure, Chris. I don't know if you remember Prime Luol Dang. I know you remember the tail end, but I'm not sure if you remember Prime Luol. That Bulls team? That was a nice team. Yeah, that, that was a fun team. But anyway, going, so the trade that traded Jeremy Grant was the first Irsan Ilyasova trade. At the time... It made sense for both for this, you know, Jeremy needed to go somewhere where he can get a bigger role. OKC could give him that starting level role where he could be that defensive anchor for them. Earsong gave us a floor spacer next to Joel and Ben, which really worked out for us. It was a win win at the time. But I agree with Chris. Absolutely. He needed to get out of Philly. He needed to be able to expand his, you know, he be he learned to be a regular role player and OKC. He 
he was one of the best role players and Denver, he became a legit, you know, he learned to become a go-to scorer in Detroit, and now he's, like Chris said, in his best role. So, overall, yes, I agree. Better off out. Next up is Isaiah Joe, who plays for a team that will not be named tonight. Lucas? Oh, you mean the Thunder? (laughs) 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 I was I can do it. I can do it. No, uh, Joe. Yeah, he's he's probably better off because, you know, Doc doesn't like playing young players. And he's I saw a stat and I don't know if Chris was the one that tweeted it, but uh, where he has the best true shooting percentage of guys under the age of 23 this season. Yeah. uh, He's like literally one of the best three point shooters in the NBA. (laughs) Um, I think we all kind of knew that it was possible or even likely that that was the case we just could never say it with any confidence because he never actually got much of a chance yeah uh yeah i mean like he's like flourishing with okc he's gonna be a very good role player for a long time he has a bunch of very talented and diversely gifted teammates that are setting him up for success on a regular basis i sent y'all a tweet last night and conspicuously there was no answer that i received uh to that I don't think I saw it. You saw us a tweet? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't did. get it. I don't I think so. Like, I'm serious. No, no, I don't think I got it, dude. I would have responded. I didn't get it either. Uh, even, if it was, even if it was annoying, I would have probably just said, sure. like, you the, the, like, come on, dude, type thing. I don't know. Um, well, it was from um, everyone on Sixers Twitter is probably familiar with HP Basketball, everyone's favorite uh, pro yoga yes. account. Uh, but that's not the point. He he does a lot of work over the season keeping track of the standings and where teams might finish and what their magic number is to make the playoffs, etc. Uh, this is his tweet from last night. I'm just going to read it out. OKC beating the Clippers very impressively. Uh, Lou Dort putting Kawhi in the torture chamber. Very cool. Um, the, torture chamber. <laughs> the torture the door- chamber. <laughs> oh, my God. Just direct quote. OKC is live for the five seed. I'm just going to leave it there. Just going to leave it there. The future is now. Um, you know that we're not done talking about them, so just just hold your horses, Chris, okay? No, we're not. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, Chris, Charles Bassey, currently on the Spurs. I think he is out for the year with an injury, though. Yeah, I would say better off. Another player who, as soon as he left Philly... Uh, he was cut, obviously, alongside Isaiah Joe before the season, and now he is like very clearly a role player and someone that San Antonio is going to build with. Um, mm. You know, the extent I, I think Joe is going to be a much better NBA player, but Bassey definitely feels like an NBA rotation piece and maybe better than Dwayne Dedman and Montrez Harrell, just maybe. So, mm. yeah, I, I would say better off. Let me just snap there for a second because you're preaching. Look, guys, I've, I'm getting ready to write an article about how, like, Dwayne Dedman was not worth Charles Bassey or Isaiah Joe in the long term of in terms of, like, you know, cutting both of them just to get him. Like, it wasn't worth it, guys. It wasn't. And Chris already said Charles Bassey looks like he's going to be a rotation guy. Look, at their peaks, who's better between Dedman and Bassey? I don't know. But, like, right now, Bassey's looking better than Dedman. And and Harold, I know you said maybe, but I'm going to say yes. He looks better. 
he looked better in limited minutes. So yeah, that's that's uh, how I feel. It was a sarcastic maybe. Okay. Okay. Just okay. All right, Lucas. Hero of the process, TJ McConnell, currently on the Pacers. Ooh, that's a tough one. Uh, look, is there a category where we can say, you know, it's about evened out? Like, I don't think TJ's any. Look, I probably better. No, off. you can't push. You can't push. Okay. Okay. I'll I'll say I'll say better off. Um, just because I I don't know if he's going to get minutes uh, with the Sixers currently. I mean, look, he's a really good backup playmaker, defender, uh, good mid-range guy. Just, you know, in the modern NBA, you got to have a three-point shooting backup point guard usually, and he's not that. Um, would be a great veteran to have, absolutely. Um, but I think he, if he wants an opportunity, Philly is not the right place for it. Yeah, I was asked today who my favorite process sixer was, and my answer was, was at first Joel Embiid, which is kind of lame, but like everyone's answer at the same time. And then my next answer was was TJ. Mm-hmm. Um, now, honestly, going back, maybe I should have said Rocco, but I, I said TJ, and I, I like it. Obviously, TJ is just a wonderful person to root for. Was an absolute joy to watch in his time in Philly. Got a little bit bumpy there towards the end, but he still had that. He still came up big in the playoffs, so... Nothing but love for TJ. Um, I mean, look. Yeah, I think better. Better off, worse off. It, he got paid, so better off. He just wasn't going to get paid in Philly. Good for him. Absolutely. Naturally, that's uh, what I was going to say. He's better off because of the money he got. Yeah, and yeah. naturally, now that I've said he was my favorite process sixer, he's like putting the nail in the coffin uh, for my fantasy basketball opponent. So screw him. But uh, yeah, I, I love you, <laughs> TJ. Oh goodness. <laughs> All right. Lucas, Matisse, or Chris, Matisse Stiebel. <laughs> um, better off. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess he's getting an opportunity and he doesn't feel restricted by the uh, whole Doc Rivers thing. Like he said, sort of hinted at. Apparently he feels free and happy now. So that's good for him. Uh, he's obviously getting a lot more minutes in Portland and the Blazers are losing a lot of games. Um, that's just an observant, you know, an observation. I'm not... <laughs> Yeah, Blake, they were already losing a lot of games. Uh, yeah, you know, correlation there. does not equal causation. I will admit that, but I'm okay. just saying. It's just an observation. It's just something that's happening. Um, yeah, you know, you replace Josh Hart with Matisse Thibel. That's a downgrade. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, but, yeah, look, he's better off. Yeah, look, I mean, I'm not going to say that Matisse Thibel is a better player than Josh Hart, to be clear. Uh, look, I think he's a. I, I think it's a win for him. I think he's better off without being the Sixers, and it goes back to basketball fit. He's not a good offensive fit next to Joel Embiid because he can't shoot, or at least he can't shoot a high volume at a high, you know, high percentage. So you, but with Dame, you don't really have to worry about the spacing as much because Nurkic isn't going to demand the ball a lot. So yeah, I, I think he's better off. Now I know the next guy is Chris's favorite guy. Yeah, well, we're coming to you first, Lucas. Mike Mascala, currently on the Celtics. Ooh, that's Oof. a tough one. Um, I, a I tough guess one? it is because, like, my in my mind, I'm like his career hasn't really changed all that much. Uh, I guess he's better off, but like, I don't. I'm not going to say he's significantly more better off. I think it's just you know, I don't know. I 
I don't really. This is one of the ones that I'm like, like meh about. I don't. I, I'll say better off because his career hasn't gone downward, but I don't think it's gone upward either. Yeah, obviously Moose had a, a bigger role in Atlanta prior to coming to Philly. I mean, he was pretty darn good in stretches for OKC, so I would have to say better off. I, I think he had better stretches in OKC than he ever did with Philly. I, I think everyone in Philadelphia hated his guts while he was here for various reasons. Like, he, he was just not considered a very good backup to Joel. He was considered very much part of the problem. Well, and I mean, I think, defense, his defense is not good, Chris. And sure, but, uh, the main reason why people hated him is because what his dad said. Yeah, that was... You know, part of the for one reason or another, but yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I think he has legitimately been pretty good in in the years since. So I, I think he's been playing better basketball, and uh, so I'd have to say better off. Andre Drummond currently on the Bulls, Chris. Um, you know, I think even more than Moose. Like to borrow what Lucas just said, it's kind of a wash. Like he's getting. You know, theoretically, he has a little bit of a bigger role with Chicago, but it's not that much bigger. And he just has no chance of winning anything with Chicago. So, like, his chances of doing anything uh, as far as championship contention are, are pretty much out the window until he finds a new home. So, I, I don't know if he's better or worse off. It kind of depends on what you value. It's not like he's making a lot of more, you know, a lot more money, though. So kind of just traded one backup job for another and it's on a worse team so maybe he's worse off question mark yeah oh yeah I, I'm, I would say worse off look you go from backing up joel where you know that you're going to get some games because joel's bound to miss some games where you could start uh versus you know vucevic who i mean for the most part of his in his career has been healthy uh now i while i will maintain that i think Depending on the situation, you might want to start Drummond over, you know, Vucevic, depending on how your team's constructed. Um, That's just over- ridiculous, Lucas. Okay. Come on. Dude, 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 Vuce is terrible this year, okay? He's not terrible. That's just not true. Okay. Well, anyway, my point being here is I think, like you said, it goes back to the winning situa- portion of this. V- you know, if he was in Philly, he'd have a chance to actually win something, and he would have a chance to start more games. So the money wise, yeah, he got paid what two million dollars more and an extra year more than what he got with Philly last year, and then when he got traded to the you know the Nets, he started. But like we know the dumpster fire that that was. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna say that he was he's worse off. Seth Curry on the Nets, Lucas. Seth Curry, he is worse off. He's not having as big of a role as he did in Philly. Like, like he was one of the main cogs of the Phillies' offense while he was in Philly. And even if, like, even if he was still here, he'd be like the one of the key cogs coming off the bench for Philly. Um, and he's not that. He's just another guy in the rotation for the Knicks. And he hasn't been as healthy this year, which I, I don't really think we can factor in that much, but. Yeah, I mean, we've seen it. He's seen a downtick this year, so I'm going to say worse off. Yeah, Curry. Curry is one of those very gifted in one particular way players that needs to be in the right situation. And Philly for guys like Curry, guys like JJ Redick, like being in Philly and working those two man actions with Joel Embiid is pretty much the perfect place. Both those guys had their best runs with Philly for a reason, and it's just harder in different situations to make Curry fit because he, he's a bad defender he's someone that defense that offenses can pick on and 
So, yeah, if it's not the right situation, it's harder to keep him on the floor. Obviously, a very talented shooter still has some juice offensively, can even handle the ball a little bit, but the defense is pretty hard to mask. And when you don't have a rim protector of Joel's quality and you don't have that Embiid Curry or that Embiid Redick-esque two-man game to lean on offensively, it's, it's going to be harder to justify keeping him out there. Because Curry, like Redick, was like the third or fourth option on a lot of nights. Really, really lean hard on, on that two-man game, and you're just not going to have anything quite like that. I, I, will say, I will say in the Nets' defense, like Nick Claxton has been fantastic defensively this year. It's just the offensive fit isn't as good, like you mentioned. I think Nick Claxton can cover up a lot of you know Seth Curry's defensive inefficiencies. Yeah, for sure. Thaddeus oh. Young on the Raptors. Uh, <laughs> is it my turn or Chris's turn? I think it's yours, Lucas. Okay. Uh, no, wait a second. I just went for Seth. Didn't I? Yeah, I just so, went. I just... Just go. Yeah, just go. Okay. Okay. Um, Thad, look. Thad was a perennial six-man with the Sixers until that first process year. Uh... He's been a really good veteran throughout his career, made a, some money here and there, has been on some playoff runs here and there. I would say better off. I think, you know, you look, you'll look back at, you know, Thad's career and say, wow, he's been in the, what is he now? Like 35, 36, and he's still playing a role for the Raptors. Yeah. As a, so, yeah, I, I'm going to say better off. Uh, sure. I mean, he had, like, statistically, his best so years just, were in Philly. So yeah, I mean, kind. I mean, some years were better. Yeah, I mean, if you look at like his career averages versus other team, like when he was on other teams, versus his one in Philly, like they're pretty identical for the most part. Um, during his prime, anyway. So I don't. I can't really say that like he's better off. I'm just thinking of like the money that he was able to get on certain contracts and like the playoff runs he was able to make with other teams, especially during the Sixers process. So that's why I said better off. Yeah, sure. That's fair. I I mean, the biggest role he ever had was with Philly, but like you said, financially in in other respects, you could make the argument. So my take on that young is that he's been very good for a long time and quite underappreciated over the years, Um, which is like a genuinely awesome two-way player. I really wanted Philly to go out and get a couple years ago, and they just never did. Um, so, yeah, it, it's kind of a wash, depending on what you value. I, I'll side with Lucas just out of camaraderie and, and say better off because uh, we. I want to be positive. This is a positive I podcast. You. I appreciate you, buddy. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll side with Lucas. DeAndre Jordan on the Nuggets, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, he definitely had more playing time in Philly. Uh, the Sixers were much more committed to making DeAndre Jordan work, I think, than Denver has been. So I guess he's worse off. Um, now, whether, you know, we can argue about which, uh, which center, he, you know, is he backing up a better center in Denver or Philly? You know, that's an argument for another day. But, um, yeah, I guess worse off. Because the, the Nuggets have been quicker to pull the plug at times on, on the DJ experience than Philly was, which is good for the Nuggets. Like, the Nuggets are better off, I guess, in that sense. But uh, Philly definitely gave him a longer runway to flash his uh, skill set, so to speak. 
Yeah, he, he's 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 worse off. Like, look, DeAndre should have been out of the league. I'm really surprised he even got a contract, or that he wasn't waived. You know, after the trade deadline. Yeah, he he's worse off. All right, Lucas Raul Neto on the Cavs. Um, it's, uh, and just to note, Trey uh, Burke uh, is not on this list. Out. It's how it's how how Neto. Sorry, and Trey Burke. Trey Burke is not on this list. Yeah, I know. Back. I I know because he's tearing it up in the G League. Yeah, I already roasted Lucas for this off 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 pod, so he doesn't. Yeah, wanna, I, he doesn't want to read. I'm gonna tell the story now. So I get, uh, I get an Instagram DM from Lucas, um, with a screenshot of uh, Poku's line for the OKC Blue in the G League. Yeah, because he's uh, recovering. I'm just, I'm trying to be positive, being, hey, yeah. look, Poku's doing good. Look, and then he has to go and ruin it. Look, Poku obviously rehabbing from an injury, working his way back up, ramping up, doing great things in the G League because he's a great player. Um, two slides over on the little slideshow on Instagram, if you scroll, it's Trey Burke's line. Uh, he's having a great G League run here while Howell Neto plays NBA basketball. So good, good for Trey Burke. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thanks. Okay. Anyway, uh, Alameda is probably better off. He was, you know, solid for Washington. And when called upon for the Cavs this season, he's played okay. Uh, Rubio's overtaking his spot back in the rotation now. Do want to point that out. Um, but, yeah, no, it, it, he's better off. Yeah, he's certainly been better off than Trey Burke. Uh, oh, so. my gosh, that's not a comparison, Chris. Uh, don't really is, don't start this. Don't start this with me. Anyways, um Better, worse off. He was like a starting point guard last year, so I'd say better off. Um, yeah, he, he's had a more expanded opportunities with Washington that one year. Um, but I mean, it's not like he wasn't playing with Philly. He was the backup point guard in Philly. Like you said, he's he's more of a third string now with Cleveland because that's a very deep team in the backcourt. But I continue to be pretty firm in my belief that Howell Neto is an NBA player, and a certain other point guard is not. So. Uh, better off is what I would say. Chris uh, Dario Saric of your OKC Thunder. Uh, my beloved, my beloved homie. Uh, how fitting that he's now playing for my most uh, beloved non Sixers team. Um, everything comes full circle. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I guess worse off is like the obvious answer. He he had a couple of good stretches there. Um, with Minnesota and with Phoenix, but he hasn't really recaptured the magic of those Philly years, and that's kind of a shame because I, I really, Daria is such a joyful person to root for, and he's dealt obviously with an injury over the last year, which which was a pretty major setback. Now he's with OKC, not a not a tanking team, but a team with quite a bit of front court depth that has kind of pushed him to the periphery. They're not going to get any shallower in the front court when, when Chet comes back next year, um, which I'm excited for, by the way. But, yeah, uh, I guess worse off, unfortunately. I, I only want good things for Dario, though, so hopefully he gets something of a renaissance here over these next few years. I'd be very pleased with that. Yeah, the injury really took a lot out of him. But we have to also remember, but for some reason, he's been playing center, and he's really a power forward. But he's been playing out of position pretty much for the past, like, three seasons, ever since he got to uh, – he's a power forward, Chris. He, he, he can't defend power forwards. I, I don't really know. He can't defend forward. centers. He can't defend centers. He's not big enough. 
He's six ten, two thirty. I mean, he's not small. He's not. He's not strong enough. Anyway. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa! But Dario's strong. I don't know if you remember Dario. I didn't say that he's not strong. I'm saying he's not strong enough to guard Dario most centers. Has some girth. He can. He, I think he's more of a small ball center than a power. I. He was backup center for Phoenix during his best stretch there. Played quite well behind Aiton in that 2020-21 season. Um, but yeah, it, it, no matter what position he is, he's obviously been worse off. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. If he was healthy during that finals run, would they have been, Would they have had enough depth to beat the uh, beat the Bucks, or do you think that just wasn't going to happen regardless? Uh, yeah, no, I don't I don't think Dario was stopping Giannis, unfortunately. Yeah, that's, yeah I'd probably not. Um, <laughs> So, okay, yeah, but I think he's worse off. Look, he just, I think, because that's not the only injury. He had injuries in Minnesota, too, before he got to Phoenix. So, yeah, I think he's worse off. Rocco with the Clippers. Uh, He's, you know, surprisingly, despite him having troubles this season, for the most part, he's probably been better off. He's gotten paid several times. Where he probably shouldn't have, but he got paid several times. Uh, he's had ups and downs, but I think overall he's been better off. This season is definitely a down season for him, though. Yeah, I mean, financially, you're right, he's been better off. Has he been better off basketball-wise? Maybe not. He sort of maybe peaked a little bit there with Minnesota, you could argue, but he wasn't with the Wolves for that long. Obviously, he had a brief stint with Houston there and was in Portland for a, a year and a half before making his way to the Clippers. Um, I continue to believe that he has been severely underrated over the years. I, like, even yeah. now, the Clippers yeah, not playing asked. Rocco. Like, Rocco being mostly out of the Clippers rotation is pretty inexcusable. Like, he's very obviously better than a lot of the guys playing right now. So, a little bit weird. Um, like, was a genuine all-defense candidate for a little while there. Uh, really, like, before Matisse came along, he was, like, the premier deflections guy in the NBA. So he's kind of like the original Matisse, and he was much better. But anyways, uh, yeah, I, I, I guess we're Yeah, I, I think it goes back to his play. It's not his defense that's worse. It's just his shot is more inconsistent now than ever. And you can attribute that to whatever you wanted to. Maybe he just had a hot start with the Sixers because, like, after – he got to Minnesota, it's either been on or off, and it's been more off as of late, and I think that's the reason why. Yeah, I mean, he's like a career 36% three-point shooter, though. So, I mean, he's been at least league average most seasons. I, I don't. I think those shooting concerns are a bit overblown, to be honest. Yeah. All right, we are almost done with this list. We Chris, have six more players. Yes, Chris, six-time NBA All-Star Jimmy Butler with the Heat. Uh, well, look, I mean, I haven't seen the Sixers go to the finals yet, so I, I guess we have to say better off. <laughs> yeah, or even, you know, the East Conference also, final. Yeah. I, I've never been to either city, and I cannot speculate on the lifestyle benefits of either one. But he also lives in Miami, which I'm sure is very nice. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to say better off. Look, he gets to be the guy. He gets to be on a team with a head coach that he respects and. Look, he it was it just as much as he loves Joel, wasn't going to work out in Philly with Brett Brown and Ben Simmons here. So yeah, he's better off. Now counterpoint: if he had come back with Joel and Ben, could Philly have maybe like gotten to the finals and won it? It's possible, but we'll never know. 
Uh, I don't know. Would now that we know about what we know about Ben now, would Ben have choked during that time? Doesn't matter if they have Jim Butler. Also, <laughs> we would have won. We would have won the NBA championship. Yeah, I don't know, guys. That's a I, tough I, one. I don't think That's Ben choking one. offensively matters. Well, it, I think it only works if you bring back Jimmy and JJ, and they were not going to bring back JJ. Uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll never know. Yeah. Too bad we can't have him on this list, but we can't have ESPN anchors on. Why not? I don't know. Because, like, we, we're doing current, form, current, okay. current yeah, players. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's I mean, I was not going to have Dalia Okafor on this list because he plays sure. for the Blue Coats, but I decided yeah. against so that's why Trey Burke's not on it, too, just to clarify, because he's not in the NBA, right? That's what, just to make sure that point is I'm clear. Ignoring you. I'm ignoring you now. Jonathan, <laughs> ask the next question. Alec Burks on the Detroit Pistons. Uh, he's he's probably better off. Uh, well, yeah, he's been better off. What are we talking about? Of course. Yeah, is. yeah. I mean, look, he's getting a lot of playing time and making a lot of buckets for a bad team. Living so. the life. I would love to get paid to get buckets on a bad team. That sounds great. I mean, I I don't know. If it was me, I'd rather be on a winning team. But, yeah, sure. I guess he's better off. Yeah, but cha-ching. Um, yeah, I, I would say better off. Okay. Andre Iguodala on the Warriors. Uh, better off? He won finals MVP, won four championships, right? Like, kind of hard to argue otherwise. Like, obviously, he had his best statistical seasons with Philly, but uh, he's had quite the run with Golden State as far as team success goes. And he, again, won finals MVP. So, I would say better off. Yeah, I would say better off as well for all the reasons Chris just said. Yeah, I don't know if there's an easier answer, either that being better off or Ben being worse off. Those are like the two locks for this. Um, Danny Green, currently with the Cavs, he was, I think, bought out with the Grizzlies earlier this year. Lucas? Uh, No, he was traded by the Grizzlies to the Rockets and then bought out. Um, Uh, You're right. He's he's probably worse off. Look, he was a starter with the Sixers. He's... uh, Granted, this is mostly due to injury, but he's not even in the Cavs rotation right now. Yeah, I mean, it, the the torn ACL was a pretty tough break. It's not really his fault, uh, but yeah. I mean, he's he's just not playing. And he was a starter, yeah. like you said, so I, I guess worse off. Yeah, 36 years old, it's hard to come back from an ACL tear. Yeah, I mean, and he, I only remember in his time with the Sixers, him holding up how many rings he had or something after he went 0 for 9 from 3. Great. Uh, showed a lot of motivation on his part. All right. Julian Champagne. Is that how you say it? Champagne. Champagne. All right. There you go, Chris. He is He's on, on the- a, a two way deal with the San Antonio and Austin Spurs. Yeah, yeah. he's uh, he's getting he's getting minutes though with the Spur uh, with the San Antonio team though. No, he's not. He's played. I think five I could get minutes on the Spurs. He, he, he is. He is. He is. He has played five total games for the Spurs. Let's not overblow it. Okay. Uh, okay. But still, he's playing NBA games. That is why he's uh, on the Chris, list. That's a Chris, slight don't, exaggeration. Don't, sure. Don't, don't start. Just, just, just go with it. Okay. Is he better off not being on the yes. Sixers? Yes. Most young players are, to be frank. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they waived him in order to sign uh, 
Who was king? Uh, McClung. Yeah, I think. Yeah. No. That's... Who was king? Who was king? Then who did... Champagne was signed... Waved for king. That's right. Okay. Then who was waved for McClung? Um, I, I don't... I, mm, it's just... I don't know. Okay. Yeah. okay. It'll come to me. Okay. Um, yeah, she, she, yeah, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, no, I mean, he's better off. The Spurs, yeah, I'd rather be on the Spurs as a young player than the Sixers. So. Yeah, they're, they're rebuilding. He's going to have a chance to stick there. Yeah, that's that's good. All right, and this one might also be a lock. Al Horford for the Celtics, Lucas. Last one. Uh, I guess he's better off, yeah. Look, the he's Sixers dead. were never going to be a good fit for him. Um, yeah, yes. so he's better better off. Yeah, guys, Al Horford is like, yeah, immediately returned to being awesome as soon as he got to Boston. So, yeah, he's he's much better off. When that I saw was... him at on the Sixers, I was like, he needs to retire soon. And yeah, now he looks like yeah. old him, old his old self again. I mean, he was on my worst free agent signings article recently. So, yeah, that was easily the most miserable year of Al Horford's career. At least in OKC, they like treat players well, and he seemed pretty content there as far as like the oh music situation God. goes. Like generally, like they treated him well and he was playing better. So he's easily more miserable in, in Philly, who has not always treated its players well, coughed off Jimmy Butler. So yeah, um he's better off. He's really good again, unfortunately, for Philly, uh, who might have to face him in the playoffs now. Uh, yeah, but he can't stop Joel anymore. Also, it was Matt McClung, the champagne he was uh, waiting for. Whatever. Yes. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm okay. just saying. Sure. Okay. That is the end of the list. That was fun. All the Sixers that are currently still in the league, but not on the team. Yeah. It was a long list. But I guess yeah. that's a good thing. Um, glad we finally got to talk about Isaiah Joe. It's been a long time coming. And, and Markel. I want more there. time on Isaiah Joe, though. That's what the offseason is for, fellas. That's what the offseason is for. <laughs> that yeah. is true. Um, all right. So let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. All right. To all our listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sixer Sense Podcast. Please like, subscribe, and follow along if you can. We are on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Audible. Or you can listen and read our written work at thesixersense.com. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook at Sixersense. And until next time, go Sixers. Want to get smarter about investing? Then tune in to the Capital Ideas podcast from Capital Group, home of American Funds Distributors, Inc., one of the world's leading asset managers. Each week, we bring you stock market outlooks, macroeconomic updates, and investment strategies that can help you succeed. Learn from portfolio managers with decades of experience about how they navigate uncertain markets. Prepare to be engaged, enlightened, and entertained by listening to the Capital Ideas podcast today.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.